Hey, New Life Church, we're so glad today that you joined us on our digital campus. Listen, my name's Kevin McManus. I'm the digital campus pastor here, and I would love to get to know you better. Listen, you can text digital right underneath me. You'll see the number. Text that number, and we would love to connect with you. If you need prayer, you want to get connected to our church, man, I'll make sure to do that. Also, right in the chat, you'll see I'll be right here uh, responding. I would love to pray with you, connect with you, but I'll be right in the chat. But listen, we're about to go into a time of worship. It's going to be awesome. Pastor Rick is kicking off the life of Christ today. I know we're excited about that as a church. It's going to be amazing. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. God, I just pray that you would uh, just be with us, be in every home, every car right now. God, be with Pastor Rick as he brings the word today. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus together.
Okay, New Life Church, we're worshiping again. I hope you had a chance to worship the Lord during that song. I love it. Great things, it's called that. Look look at the words. You free every captive. Have you ever been captive? And you break every chain. If you call on him, he'll do that. This is very important for you to understand. In fact, we're starting a series right now called The Life of Christ that has a lot to do with being free. This weekend, I'm starting this, this whole series. We're going to do it from now to the end of the year. This weekend, I'm, I'm calling it a call to discipleship because you're going to see that Jesus did this right there in the beginning of his ministry. He pointed at different people and he said, follow me. And what that meant, it was a huge responsibility. So I've noticed in this year that many of us, including me, that have gotten off track with the life of Christ, with discipleship, with moral, there's so much chaos. And so many times I haven't been in the word like I should. And my prayer life, is it, it's had dry seasons this year. And I just want to encourage you, let, let's, let's get back to where we want to be and certainly where we need to be. The problem is, how do you do it as a church? I've talked to pastors all over the world, here and there, and, and they don't know how to do it either. So we got together and we sought God, and the Lord showed us what to do in the fall to get this done. We remembered several years ago, we did the year of the Bible, where we were all reading the same portion of Scripture every day. And then on the weekends and in small groups, all of our devotions were written around the portion of Scripture, the manna that we were eating every day. And that's what we were preaching on. And we grew that year, man. So as we were praying about the fall, with a little bit of confusion on how to do it, the Lord reminded us of that. And it's like He spoke to us. And he said, I want you to study my life and get everybody to do it. And that's what we're going to do, the life of Christ. So I ask you to text Jesus to the phone number that you see right there in front of you, and let's get this rolling. There's a few strange questions on that. It's not New Life Church's platform. So just answer the questions and then move on. You know how the world tries to get in everywhere. You go and Google something, you'll see ads you don't like. You go to the store, there's things there that you would never buy, but you still go there. So go there, fill it out, let's go, because the life of Christ is what we need. Can everybody say amen? Which means we're in agreement. So we're going to study the life of Christ, but you can see that Jesus quoted one time in Matthew the same scripture that was way back in Deuteronomy. This is what he said. They were familiar with it, uh, but he was talking about himself. So in Matthew chapter 22, 37, again, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. He did not say, Love the Lord your God with some of your heart, a little bit of it. No, all of it. How are you doing with that? That's a good question. Like if I went to Michelle and I said, baby, I love you so much more than any other woman in the world, except for just one or two. Okay. Is she going to put up with that? Oh, well, the Lord, he wants all of our hearts, not a little bit of it. He wants us to be 
fanatics, a fan of his, totally into him. Uh, I know that we used to sing this song growing up, I surrender all. It wasn't I surrender some. I surrender all except for during hunting season. I surrender all unless my kids are playing a lot of baseball. I surrender all unless something else is more important that week. I surrender all during the week, but not on the weekends. So I think it's something that we should look at. Do we surrender all? No one likes to be around somebody half committed. You don't want it in your marriage or in your family. Even a single person wants friends who are committed to the friendship. You can see this in everything. Some of my friends are in the fantasy football. I could care less about it. So they'll ask me, hey, who you got on your fantasy football team? And within three seconds, they can tell, I don't care a thing about it. My fantasy football was LSU winning a national championship. Yeah, that's my fantasy. This year, for the last two years, I haven't been into the NBA. I don't have a team. I'm not a fan of any team. I just do not like LeBron because MJ, Michael Jordan, is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And I don't want LeBron to be seen that way. So I'm just pulling against him. So I don't have a team. I just do not like LeBron. Can you imagine that the only reason why you're following Christ is because you don't like Satan? Like, you're just not into it. Like, you just don't like what's happening in the world. So, you you know, you just hope they lose. No, Jesus wants your heart, all of you, to focus on him. So how's that going for you? You know, when I think about this, can you, can you imagine uh, if we love the Lord with all of our heart for the first part of our life, but then you start slipping, the world gets involved and things frustrate you, someone hurts you, and then you stop giving him all, just a little bit. And then you can see that you, you slip. Well, to keep this in mind, to find out where we should start, let's go to the life of Christ on where he first called other people. In Matthew 4, 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. Why? Because Scripture says, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Like the greatest voice, the greatest moment of their life was happening. I remember when the Lord called me. I bet you can. Come and follow me. I will send you out to fish for people. And at once... They left their nets and followed him. Uh, anytime the Lord calls us, there's going to be something that we have to leave behind. What's in your life right now that is getting so much of your attention that it's hard to let go of? But you know that Jesus wants all of you, and there's not space for him, so something that you might need to let go of. Like you haven't grown. Like these disciples, they followed after Jesus and they were growing day in and day out. Then they would make mistakes, but then they would grow. And then they would make mistakes, and then they would grow. But by the end of their journey, they weren't disciples. They were apostles. Disciple means you are learning. Apostle means you're sent. 
They were willing to give their lives to serve the Lord. I was reading a story about this little boy who fell out of his bed every night. He'd just fall, boom, he'd get hurt, you know. And so his family tried all these things and they couldn't figure out how to stop it. Just boom, he'd fall out of the bed. So he spent the night with his grandparents and he certainly fell out again. The pawpaw heard him, boom, and he ran up and he helped him out. And the next morning, his grandfather said, hey, because he's about four years old, I guess. And he said, why do you keep falling out of the bed? He said, like every night, why do you think this is happening? And this little kid said, maybe it's because I stay too close to the place where I got in. Now, I think this is our lives. Some of us were about in the same spot that when Jesus called us. Like the progression is not moving forward, and we just keep falling out of our relationship with him almost daily this year. So I want you to think about that because during the time of Jesus, it was very common for these young students to go to the synagogue to be trained. And they would start at about six, and by the time they were 10, they would have the whole Pentateuch memorized. That's the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, they would have it memorized. And then the rabbi would know who was good at this and who was not. So he would select some to go on to 14, and they would learn many other books, dozens of more books. And at about 14 years of age, they would start applying to be a follower of the rabbi. And the rabbi would have to make a decision on who he was going to pick. He would pick the smartest, the one who was the best, the one who he thought could change the world. Because when they said, I want to follow you, Rabbi, what they were saying is, I want to be like you for the rest of my life. So the rabbi would have to make a decision on who he would pick, and he would have to make decisions on who he would never pick. And so he would pick them, he would say to them, the ones that he would pick, follow me. And they would drop everything and start studying his life even more. And they were disciples of that rabbi. You know what I love about Jesus? He says the same thing to us, but he's not looking for the best. He's looking for the willing. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Acts that those that were changed in the world, that they were very ordinary, but they were doing extraordinary things because they had Jesus with them. So I just want to say that he's still looking around saying, come and follow me. So what is a disciple? By the way, the term Christian is used in the New Testament just two or three times. But the word disciple, it occurs 269 times. It means learner, but what it really means is someone who is hungry to grow. They don't want to stay the same. So I'm going to teach you how to do that. But I want to challenge you to buckle up because I'm going to teach you straight forward on this because we need to learn. When I think of buckle up, it reminds me of Boudreaux. <laughs> Boudreaux was pulled over by a police officer and he was speeding and he pulled over and he noticed he didn't have a seatbelt on. So right before the cop got up to the car, he buckled up real fast. 
And the police officer said, hey, Boudreaux, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, uh, let me ask you a question, Boudreaux. What do you think about the law that says wear a seatbelt all the time? He goes, oh, I always do that. I never not do it. I always wear that seatbelt every time. He said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you always buckle it up through the steering wheel? <laughs> do you always do that or do you buckle it up properly? Buckle up because we're going to go straight at truth that even I forget about here and there. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is, like, what is the call to discipleship? It's to be dangerous and not safe. Like, it's not just a safe way to go. The scripture in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. This is intense. And take up their cross daily and follow me. I remember recently Rebecca was speaking about this passage of Scripture, and she said, be careful because it doesn't say take up your crown and follow him. It's your cross. Like there's responsibility in this. Come and follow me, but take up your cross. Can you imagine being one of those first 12 disciples? They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know how they were going to eat. They didn't know how they were going to make a living. They had to leave their homes. They left their jobs. They left their families to follow him. They didn't know how they were going to get around. They didn't know the story was going to be the way we now know the story. But they followed him. There was another time, though, that Jesus went to another man, and we call him the rich young ruler. And this guy, he believed in the Lord. He wanted to follow him. He even tried to sell Jesus on it. But he started lying to Jesus. He said, I've got this. I'm ready. I'm all ready. Well, Jesus saw that he wasn't willing to do what the other disciples did because they had to drop their nets to go. So Jesus looked at him and he said, all right, if you want to follow me, it's going to be dangerous over here. There's not going to be some safe route. If you want to follow me, you need to drop this. And he pointed right at something that was very important to him. He said, you drop that, come and follow me. Let's go. And this man, the Bible says, he knew that he couldn't do it. So he just turned around and he went back to the world. And the Bible says, with heaviness in his heart, he missed an opportunity. And like... Here's a question. Do you think this guy would have regretted that? We don't know anything about this man, but if he would have said, yes, sir, I will follow you. There's no telling what this man could have done for the kingdom of God, for his family. This is why Jesus says things like this in John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, if you do, in other words, it's not automatic. But if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's not the obey first. It's like, if you love me, we're going to know. Just love me. And then you will want to do what I'm asking of you. You will obey my commands. It's not like, obey my commands. This is not the heart of Jesus. It's like, come and follow me. I want you to be 
with me. I want you to love me. I love you. And then you will obey the commands. I've had people on the digital campus tell me, and back in our buildings, tell me of late that the Holy Spirit during worship or during the teaching of the Word, that they would be convicted because of something they allowed to come into their home, something into their life, maybe a secret, maybe something they knew was wrong, and then the Holy Spirit would show them, and then they would change. Look, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's not to condemn you or to discourage you. The greatest thing that can happen in your life to be a disciple for Christ, the greatest thing that can happen is when he calls you to change. Noah in the Old Testament, God couldn't find people who wanted to change, but he found Noah. And Noah had very clear instruction on what to do. And he could have said no. Many did. But I believe that Noah was not just trying to get out of the rain. I don't believe for a second that Noah was just trying to escape the flood. I believe there was something much larger going on. I believe Noah wanted to obey God. I believe Noah was trying to protect his whole family. That's why we're doing this series, because we, we have a call to discipleship like to protect our whole families. We're going for the things of God. Have you ever gotten an important call before? There's not a call more important than following after Christ. But maybe you've had some other calls that are seemingly important. So I remember a huge call I had from Congress one time. This was about 14 years ago. President Bush was in the White House, and they were calling me to ask me if I would go before Congress and to talk to them about medical health savings which was our insurance at the time. So they kept calling and interviewing. I remember one time, it felt like there were 30 people on this call asking me questions. But then one day I was going to a board meeting and I was in Dallas or Houston and I got a phone call and this was the call. They said, sir, all of these phone calls that we've had, it was not Congress, it's the White House. And we've done background checks on you and we're going to know at 3 o'clock today if we want you to fly here to meet with the president, you and six other people. Would you be willing to do that? Uh-huh. And they said, we're going to call you at 3. Where are you going to be? I said, I'll be in a board meeting. They said, well, give us a phone number. And I gave it to them. So I went into this board meeting, which happened to be a very important person who gets calls from the White House and leaders all over the world. So he was very used to phone calls from the White House. But I went into that meeting, and before I talked to his assistant, I said, look, the White House is going to call, and they're going to want to speak to me. But your pastor is going to think that they want to speak to him. So you just come into the meeting, and you just say the White House is on the phone. He's going to jump up, and then you say, no, sir, it's for Pastor Rick. Man, I love this prank because it worked perfectly. At 3 o'clock, we're in this meeting. I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then she walked in and she said, Sir, the White House is on the phone. And he said, Excuse me, boys, i got to take this call. And she goes, No, it's not for you, Pastor. It's for Rick. <laughs> yeah. So I got up. It was a blast. But they called and they said, We want you to come in. It was within one day I was at the White House meeting with the president with me and about six other people. And one of the gentlemen 
who was sitting next to me, his name was George, and he was so nervous, I could hear him hyperventilating, being with the president. <laughs> he just couldn't breathe. He was sweating. And the president noticed that he was nervous. And the president looked at this man named George, and he said, hey, George, uh, listen to me. He said, there's two people in this room named George. I'm one of them, and you're the other one. And he said, and the only George that needs to be nervous in this room is me. I'm the president of the United States, and I'm scared to death, so I need you to relax. <laughs> and this guy just chilled right out, and we went through the meeting. It was fantastic. But it was just a call to the White House. It wasn't a life or death call. I'm not a follower of anyone on this earth. So when you get this very important call from the Lord, you want to know what's next. And it's not just this safe little place that we live. Some of you, your most dangerous prayers are, God, give me a good parking spot at Walmart. Lord, help me with the job interview. God, help me with my headache. But when you're a follower of him, you're praying things like, Lord, what's in the way of our relationship right now? Lord, what do I need to work on immediately? Lord, would you show me how to get my wife back? Lord, would you teach me how to raise my kids in the fear and the admonition of your name? Lord, I've lost my light at work. People don't see me as a believer. Show me how to do this right. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? to do. That's discipleship. It's not just someone who hears. It's someone who does. Second thing I think we're talking about is to be intentional and not accidental. We talked about being all in. We don't sing the song, I'm just kind of in. No, it's a jump in. I remember when my family was asked to move to Arkansas, I was so scared. I didn't know people there. I didn't know how to do it. But I somehow felt protected. I was telling my dear friends, they said, what does it feel like right now? I said, it's like I'm on a trapeze and I'm swinging and I know I have to let go to go to the other side or I'm never going to get there but I'm intimidated to be holding on to nothing but thin air. And then I remember when I let go and I left Baton Rouge, just one little simple thing in my life. But when I was in midair, I knew I was going to have a good landing because I wasn't doing anything by accident. I was intentionally trying to follow after Jesus. It's one of the greatest decisions that you can make. Jesus said this in Luke 14, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And then Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not finish 
give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. What he's basically trying to say is you got to count the real cost. Look at this accurately because we can't just accidentally have a good marriage. You can't just accidentally be in good shape. You're as in good a shape as you want to be. And you're as close to the Lord as you want to be. And so am I. If you've blown it, I'm not hitting you. I'm just telling you that the call is still saying, come back in. I miss you. I want you around. Because we really are as close to the Lord as we want to be. And then number three, to be spiritual and not natural. And what I mean by that is to be teachable. Like everything doesn't make logical sense, but you're spiritual. You're not just logical. We're not naturally serving the Lord. This is a supernatural walk. So we're not foolish and we're not blindsided and we're not, we're not idiots, but we know how wise it is to follow after the Lord. Read through Proverbs and see if considering God is not wise. If the world lived that way, it would be completely different and the same with us. So I guess I need to ask you, are you teachable? From time to time, I'll give someone a golf lesson. I'm no longer good in golf, but I still understand the game. And I remember this one guy, I took him out there, and he was serious about learning. And that's why I wanted to teach him. So we got up there, and I immediately noticed that he was aiming about 30 yards right. So I said, well, let's work on your alignment. You were aiming 30 yards right. And he looked at me and said, no, I'm not. I checked my line. I can look down there right now and see I'm lined up properly. I was like, look, you're aiming 30 yards right. So he didn't believe me. So I put down a club to show from toe to toe where he was aiming. He came back and he goes, well, I don't think you put that down right. I was like, okay, let's keep going. Then I noticed uh, when he got it addressed that his club was way too far forward. He had about a nine iron that should be almost in the center of your stance. So I said, your club face is too far forward. No, it's not. It's right in the middle of my feet. I said, man, it's not. So then I was working on his swing plane. He was going too far outside. He said, no, I'm not. And I said, hold it right there. I said, do you see that truck at the top of that hill? And he goes, yeah, that's my truck. I said, that's right. I want you to take your clubs and I want you to walk over to that truck, and I want you to put your clubs in that truck, and I want you to go home, and I want you to call somebody you like, and I want you to give them those golf clubs because you're never going to be good at this game. You're not teachable. And this is what the Lord is asking for us. Like, are you willing to put down the things you used to trust in? There are going to be times or it doesn't make logical sense on what the Lord is trying to show you. This happened to Peter. They came to arrest Jesus. Logically, he thought, I got to do something about it. He cut a man's ear off, just was frustrated. There were many times where Peter thought he was doing the right thing, but Jesus basically called him Satan because of it. 
Let's take a look at that scripture. Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are in a dangerous trap. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. So here's where I'm closing out. On planet Earth today as a pastor, I feel like the spirit of the Antichrist is here. I'm not teaching on the end times right now. And if that seems a little too weird for you, go with this. People are deceived. They're rewriting his word. They're changing their minds. They're serving the Lord in a way that they've created. It makes human sense to them. But Jesus never said those words. And a disciple is always trying to remember what it is that Jesus was trying to say. And during these days, families, single people, this is going to be an easy season to be deceived. How do I know? Because 1 Timothy 4 says that in these days that some will abandon their faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So he called us, but he's also trying to make us like apostles, not just people who hear, but people who do, and people he trusts to send. So I think it's a good idea for you to say, here I am, send me, oh God. That's the call to discipleship. Let's bow our heads. Some of you, you haven't been serving the Lord and you know it. I'm just gonna call it what it is. You're lost. And you wanna serve the Lord, but you're lost. I had a man call me this week, he goes, I'm so lost. His marriage is in shambles. I was driving in from another city, just trying my best to pray for him, sobbing, this man. But he was repenting. It was real. Some of you need that. Like a real time where you just settle. Lord, I, I'm in sin. This is what Jesus was talking to a man about in the middle of the night. He said, I'll take out your old heart and give you a new one. But it's your move. So do you want the Lord to be the center of your life? Are you, if you died today, are you ready to meet him? I want to ask everybody to bow your heads if you can. And uh, I'm going to lead you in a, a prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer. It's not written in the Bible, but it is in the Bible. It's just not in sequence. So let's pray. Lord, we know that your word says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts and we turn, we repent, that you will forgive us. Lord, we're sorry. We just feel so lost and away from you. We hear the call. We accept it. We thank you for the price you paid, the sacrifice you gave to reach us. So we repent and turn toward you. It's awkward for us because we don't feel worthy. And we're not, but you are. And you went all out on the cross 
And we're not crucifying you again. We're believing that your blood was sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. So forgive us of our sins, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think right now would be a wonderful time to worship him. Let's do so. on me. 
Some of you just made the best decision of your life, and that's to follow Christ. And we would love to connect with you and walk alongside with you on this journey to follow him. If you'll just text next to 88,000, I'll connect with you today. Your digital campus pastor or one of our pastors here would love to connect with you. Listen, every week we take time to pray for the church. And today we're praying for Second Baptist Church in Little Rock, Pastor Kevin Kelly. And I reached out to him today and he said, man, just pray for us. Uh, we just started in-person services about a month ago and we just need God's presence to show up. And then I was like, amen, man, we all need it. And so today let's pray right now for Second Baptist Church. God, we thank you so much for Pastor Kevin Kelly, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would encourage him today. God, be in their services. And I just pray, God, that you just help us. Guys, we're all uh, walking alongside us, church to church across the city and doing the best that we can do. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with them today and to just help them have an amazing service in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're gonna take the, our tithes and offerings this morning, and I just wanna say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving through this season. I was on the phone a couple weeks ago and a, a person right here on our digital campus filled out a connect card. He said, man, I wanna follow Christ. And so I called him as soon as I got the connect card and we were able to talk and pray. And in that moment, I just thought, man, what an amazing avenue to go through online, through this digital campus, to see people know Jesus Christ. And I was able to connect with him and connect him to a campus in his city. And so I just want to thank you again for your generosity and giving today to make things like that happen. And right now, Pastor Rick's coming back. And he's going to give us our prayer of blessing that he does every week. God bless. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Every one of our campuses has a pastor that leads every day. Whether they are preaching that day or not, they're leading that thing. And that's what Kevin does for us. If you need any help at all, you just let us know. He's an incredible leader and pastor, and we are blessed to have him here. He just told you, I'm gonna pray a prayer blessing, and that's what I'm gonna do. But I wanna ask you to remember to be involved in the life of Christ with us. And after I pray this quick prayer blessing, we're gonna do one more worship song. If you have to go, go ahead and go, I understand. But if you can stick around as you listen to this song about the blessing of God, it's about discipleship that's on you and your children and other people in different generations. And that's why we need the life of Christ. So with the fear of God mixed in, let's all do this together. But first, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you. Lord, I thank you for this church, for other churches. We've already prayed for another church today, Second Baptist Church, right here in Arkansas right there in Little Rock. And Lord, I ask that you continue to bless the other churches in every city from the north side of our state to the south, from east to west. But New Life Church, Lord, I ask that you reign with them and help them and move in their lives. Lord, I pray that your face will shine upon them. And Lord, I pray they'll be at rest and at peace as they serve you with all of their heart. Help us, Lord, as we worship you with this song let us all get involved in the life of Christ. And Lord, I thank you. We're going to grow more in this season than at any other time in our life because we love you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Listen to this song. This is going to be good. Yeah. 